And we're back for another episode of Start Apostle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Puzzle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to today. I get to have one of my broadcasting and audio idols i i'd say video but i think today's guest may also agree that much like ourselves we have faces made for radio so uh i'm gonna get right in and i'm gonna introduce today's guest rex hudler kansas city royals color commentator former major league player and a guy that kansas city knows and loves rex what's up Thank you, Matt and Matt. Great to be with you. Those are very kind words uh, from you. Um, gosh, what a blessing to be on your show, especially uh, I saw all the names, all the famous people, especially my my uh, partners, Mon- Montgomery, Monty, and, and Joe Goldberg. I mean, I- I'm thrilled to be joined um, with that great company, but especially you guys. You know, what? one of the things is I'm not going to say whether or not Goldberg paid me to make the faces for radio comment. So <laughs> well, I use that all the time because I got the perfect face for radio. But they give yeah, me the what, TV so do we. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, Rex, once again, welcome to Start a Puzzle. And yes, we've had some of your uh, some of your peers and co-workers on. It's made for really great. Re- modern radio is the podcast in so many different ways. And with the interesting background you have and the entrance that you've made into Kansas City, including replacing one of Kansas City's most beloved ballplayers and announcers in the booth, um, I know you have a whole lot of interesting and fun stories. So I think if we could just start by getting a little bit of backstory about who's Rex Hudler. Matt, first of all, you can't replace a legend like Frank White, okay? And my broadcasting job, the other team that I broadcasted for for 11 years, the guy that I came after was named Sparky Anderson. You can't replace Sparky Anderson either. True. So I'm, I, was, I was used to that coming in here, but I had no idea a much smaller a community, still big sports town, but still smaller community than Los Angeles, um, that when I got here, you know, Frank White is is their guy. I mean, he was their man. Guy. So it was not it was not easy. And the Royals told me it was going to be diff- very difficult for me. But um, Rex Hudler is a guy that was born with a, in a great family with great genetics, good genes, uh, character. My great grandpa uh, was my was the the greatest man I ever knew. Uh, my grandma was the greatest woman I ever knew because she loved. She never said an unkind word. I loved her immensely. And my great-granddaddy was character. He was character. So that was my mom's side. My mom's side, my dad's side, I got to give credit. Uh, and I had no, I had nothing to do with it, but I had really good genes. And I had, uh, I had very, I'm very passionate and I have a huge character. There's no doubt about it. And then playing 21 years of professional baseball, that made me even into more of a character. 
because it's such a hard game. It's a hard sport. And I found out that laughter cures all. So it really fit baseball. The sport fit me well. Now I was a football player though, in a baseball player's body. Uh, grew up in Fresno, California, had a real nice upbringing. Once again, of course I did have uh there was a glitch in the road where my mom uh, uh, divorced my, my dad. Um, and then um, my adopted dad, he wanted to do to adopt me. So my name was Mobley. And then I went to Huddler when my new dad adopted me. So I kind of had to maneuver my way through that at eight years old. That was kind of a tough deal. And I, I, I have a lot of empathy for young people that have to go through broken families. So um, I got, I recovered from that. My Huddler father was really good. I couldn't wait till he came home from work. Um, I'd hear the garage door open and I would go run to the door and we would play catch and he was there for me and I uh, really enjoyed uh, competing. I remember uh, recess and PE were my two favorite subjects always, okay? But I was a competitor and I loved competing, especially at recess and I'm going to beat my opponent. I'm going to beat my buddies. And, and, and it, just was, it, was, it was just built in me. It seemed like from, from uh, fifth grade, I wrote my paper to my, new, to my teacher saying, hey, um, I want to be a professional athlete, and I'm sure 80% of the other kids, uh, the other males, did the same thing. Um, anyway, uh, I trusted God as a young person in my life, so my spiritual life was important to me, and I believe that God sees the future, and, I, and, and he allowed me to have the desires of my heart. And I remember um, I, I had my, my two brothers, I had an older and younger brother, and they were, um, they chose to go a different direction. They didn't want to follow mom and dad's lead. So they kind of chose their own way. And when you're that young and you choose that route, it's tough. So I remember the principal would call my mom at home and on the wall phone and say, hey, we don't know where your son is today, you know, and talking about my brothers. And my mom would cry and she would, you know, and I remember her, I hated seeing my mother cry. So I told myself, you know, you're not the, the greatest, but you need to do everything you can to take care of her and take care of your mother. So God honors those who love their parents and, and honor their parents. So I believe that really I made an effort at home to get along with my folks and to and to do that. And God allowed me to have the desires of my heart. My my senior year in high school, I had played all the sports. Thankfully, I'd never gotten injured. Bullard High School was a powerhouse high school. We were the top school in Fresno, California. I had just tremendous coaching. So I benefited not only from my genes my, my, and my parents, but I had tremendous coaching that helped me. And these guys, the, my baseball and football coaches, they really added that extra little knowledge that I needed in, in the sports. Um, ended up, my, my mom said, uh, my senior year, son, you're playing soccer, baseball, and football. And you know, you're good in all those, but don't you want to be great in one or two of them? Why don't you eliminate one and concentrate on two sports? And maybe something will happen. <laughs> Bob was awesome. Great, Mom, I thank you. I appreciate that. She knew exactly. I eliminated soccer because in 1978, there was no soccer. There was soccer, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a prom prominent sport, and there wasn't a big money-paying sport. So I, I uh, chose football and baseball and ended up getting a – had 25 Division I football scholarship offers. I had a great quarterback. I was a wide receiver. I could catch the ball. I had good speed from soccer. Soccer helped me develop my legs, my speed, my quickness. I owe most everything to soccer. Uh, because it, 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 you know, speed and power are the two commodities an athlete's got to have, a professional to make any money. And uh, fortunately, the power came later for me, but I had the speed and the hands. Baseball season came, and there were there were scouts calling me on the phone again, the wall phone, 
Um, and I'd hear my mom say, don't waste your pick. My son's going to Notre Dame. So all the all the baseball uh, uh, scouts were calling, and she was she was chewing them away, and I kept listening. You know, Mom, wow, I don't know if you should be doing that. She goes, don't worry about it, son. I'm in control here. I, I was only 17 years old, so Mom was still being Mom. And the draft came. I, I walked home from school. No, no, no big deal. Typical day. I walk in the door. I said, Mom, did the phone ring? Did anybody come? Did anybody call? She goes, yeah, the damn Yankees drafted you. And I said, really? Um, what'd you tell him? I told wait, him. Wait, Rex, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. So on the day of the draft, you went to school like it was no big deal? Right. Because you just walked home after school and asked your mom if you had been drafted? Yeah, mom, did, we, did anybody call? Well, you were a first-round draft pick. You were the 18th pick in the 1978 draft. Like right. now, you that would have been in prime time. There would have been a camera crew in your <laughs> in your living room. You would have been waiting for everyone would have cheered exactly. and all that. But you instead walked home from school. And how long it had been since they had called? I mean, did they? Mom didn't think about coming to school and maybe maybe pulling no. you out of class and saying, "Hey, by the way, the Yankees drafted you." No. No big deal. Had it been, you know, especially with the New York Yankees, there would have been a lot of cameras and stuff. But, you know, back then, right. they didn't do it. I remember they would send you a telegram or they would call you over the phone. And uh, so um, I said, Mom, what did you tell them? She said, I told them they wasted their pick. And I said, that's all? And she said, yeah. And so um, I said, way to go. Mom, you probably scared them off. So a week goes by, we don't hear back from the Yankees. And so I'm saying, way to go, Mom. You scared them off. She goes, no, son, they'll be calling. I guarantee you. You know, you, they had one pick, and you were their number one pick. There was a couple other supplemental number one picks behind me. Matt Winters and uh, Brian Ryder were, behind, were were after me. But uh, um, so uh, sure enough, mom's right again. Al Rosen, the vice president of the New York Yankees, Jack Butterfield, George Steinbrenner's right-hand man, uh, flew out to Fresno, California, and they came to the front door, and I had my suit on everything, and and my mom uh, lets them in, and she looks at me, and we had not discussed what was going to happen. She said, son, go to Mama Mia's Pizzeria and get your pizza and come back in 45 minutes. Okay, Mom. I was thinking they were going to let me sit through the negotiations and everything, but I did not have an agent present because I had a, I was had to protect my amateur status. Okay, so it was just Mom and my dad. And then I left, and I came back to my house 45 minutes later. Knocked on the front door. My own door was locked. And mom comes to the door and she goes, son, congratulations. You're a Yankee. <laughs> well, that's kind of, that's that, that was 17 years old. And so that's kind of how my, my, my baseball career started. I mean, it was a big change of pa plans in my life uh, that just happened. But, but once again, um, God knows. And, and, and he knew exactly where he wanted me. And, and I'm so thankful that, he chose baseball for me because baseball taught me so much about who I am and so much about uh, how tough it was. And But I had no idea I was going to be a 10-year minor leaguer. Oh, man, I had no idea. But I had a lot to learn. I had a lot of growing up to do. And when I got there at 28 years old, I was ready. So, you know, it was an interesting road. 19 different cities I played in. Uh, you know, not making any money. Thank, thankfully, uh, my mom negotiated a hundred and fifty thousand dollars signing bonus. So that I have a question a on that. I have a question. Did you did you pay her an agent commission? <laughs> no, no, I did not. But I had a I had a uh, one of the one of the uh, 
there was a, an agent in Fresno and he recommended me for, to Notre Dame. So he kind of stayed close to the family and he kind of helped her give her tips. And, but there was, there was no money exchange there, but I bought mom a car later and uh, she was happy. Okay. So as we've mentioned on prior episodes, and you can go back and listen to the episodes with Jeff Montgomery, former all-star Joel Goldberg, a good friend of the podcast. Um, you know, we look at an athlete at that point, you mentioned you were protecting your amateur status, but you were your own business at that point, whether you're going to play football at Notre Dame or you're signing a contract with the Yankees, you're going into business at, you know, for yourself at 17 years old. What does that feel like? Like what's, I mean, to get the 18th pick is a really, really high pick in baseball. I didn't, they used to have like 60 rounds back then or something, but yeah, Maybe they, I don't know. They expanded at one point, but eighteen, and then by the Yankees. I mean, how did how did that feel, and how overwhelming was that for you at seventeen? Well, you know, I was such a competitor that I was ready, and I loved any sport that I just finished. That was my favorite sport. So, if after the football season was over, man, I was excited about football. And it's then, then going and taking my five visitations to my colleges I got to go to to, to visit for football was 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 really interesting. Notre Dame, Michigan State. Kirk Gibson showed me around Michigan State. Um, Dan Devine was the manager or was the head coach at, at, at Notre Dame. Uh, they wined and dined me there. I got to go to Berkeley. I got to go to UCLA, uh, Arizona State, and and then and competing in baseball and in front of all those scouts. Um, that were at the game, my baseball games at Bullard High School. And I remember looking on the sidelines and seeing all these guys out there with their, with their hats on, their clipboards and their stopwatches. And I'm saying, hey, they're watching me. Isn't it great? I'm going to Notre Dame. I'm not even care about it. I'm just playing baseball to have fun. Watch this play. Watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it to me. I'm going to show you something right here. So having that mentality and not being afraid and not being scared and going out and playing my game and having fun allowed me to be great in my high school days. Um, so I, I had no pressure. I didn't feel pressure. Now, they, after I graduated, they flew me to New York City to meet George Steinbrenner because he wanted to meet his bonus baby. I was his first bonus baby. So it's a little bit tight on that one. Going in and meeting George Steinbrenner and, and 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 yes sir no sir yes sir no sir and he opened he let me come into his office and he pushed a button and the the drapes opened and there was Yankee Stadium and it was really impressive. Uh, I, I was a little nervous. I didn't say much in the meeting. All I said was yes sir no sir. And comes out uh, seven years later after he traded me, he felt he liked me because of my first impression. He liked my manners, my firm handshake. Those were things my mother taught me. So that goes back again. He liked the discipline. So Steinbrenner, he loved football players too. As they went on, he drafted Elway, Drew Henson, you know, there's other, a lot of other football players that he that he uh, also drafted. But, uh, okay, you're going off to upstate New York to Oneonta. Good luck to you, son. So I got on a plane in New York City and flew, you know, an hour or so up to upstate New York and, and started my, my 17-year-old career against college guys that graduated. They were all in the draft that were 22, 23 years old. So... I play, playing against those guys that were that old didn't bother me one bit. I, I'm a, a, I'm a competitor and I'm very intense and I held my own. I hit 285 and made the all-star team. I stole 17 bases when I was 17 against these other, other uh, college guys. So 
I was never timid, never timid until I got to the majors. And once I got to the majors, I got a little nervous and got a little, little, uh, you know, a little shaky and, and therefore it was a tough beginning for me because I wouldn't get into play every day either with the New York Yankees. Steinbrenner or Billy Martin, Yogi Berra, my managers, uh, they didn't like young rookies. They always would buy their established players. So, uh, to answer your question, uh, it was not it was not real intimidating. All I did was use my manners and, and show respect to these men that came into my house. So, Matt, I think this would be a good time for you to pick up some baseball tips from HUD, because last time I played baseball with you was about a year ago, almost a year ago. And we were taking batting practice on the field at the K. That's right. Yeah. And so I, I'm curious, Matt, because I remember standing on the grass at center field with you and we're sitting trying to avoid getting hit by errant balls, but <laughs> looking up at the stadium and going, holy shit, this thing's huge. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, what was your Matt? What do you think your impression would be if you walked into Yankee Stadium at Rex's age? Well, at 17, um, it would definitely be overwhelming. I mean, the first time you did it, Rex, you said, were you 28? When I got to the majors, no, I was 24 when I got my first call up. Okay. We call those cups of coffee. Okay. You know, 84, uh, my manager, Yogi Berra, made it real easy for me because he was such a gentleman. He was so, so kind and so easy. He made me feel comfortable and everything. And then they fired Yogi and then brought Billy Martin on. So my 84, 85 uh, cups of coffee with the New York Yankees, I had those two skippers. And uh, Yogi was really gentle and easy. Billy, Billy tried to intimidate me. Uh, and he was kind of a real hard ass, you know, well, that, everything people say. So, well, that's gotta be really overwhelming, not only to be there as a Yankee, to be there in front of 20,000 people, but also knowing like, this is your chance. Like, you, you know, you've been in the minors all this time and you're there and you're, you're, you've got your cup of coffee, as you say. What is that to be like complete overwhelming of like every single pitch matters so much because you got to impress everybody to stay on the team. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was, I felt a lot of pressure. Me, a guy named Don Mattingly and Scotty Bradley were the only rookies on the team. And, and Donnie had a starting role. He had a starting job. And then of course he went off in 84 and 85 and was an MVP uh, right away. Willie Randolph was a great, second baseman for the New York Yankees. He was their captain, and that's who I came up behind. Um, these I've never, ever, uh, with the rest of the teams, now I had great teammates on every single team I played for, but I never got mentored better than I did with the New York Yankees. Those guys were all, all very classy guys. Um, and that helped take some of the pressure off me. Willie Randolph made me feel comfortable, let me take ground balls with him every day when typically the second string guy takes him later after he's done. He would let me take ground balls with him and coach me along the way and talk to me about the league and the competition, which was total class. He didn't have to. A lot of guys back then were intimidated by guys who came up behind him. We got to take their job. Willie, Ken Griffey was a class act. No wonder Ken Griffey Jr. is like he is. His dad was a great baseball player too uh, and, and, and really had a lot of life, a lot of advice. Um, I loved Phil Necro. Phil Necro was a Hall of Famer. Um, he, was, he was fabulous. Ricky Henderson was fun to play with. But the, probably the best advice and the best uh, mentor I had was a guy named Dave Winfield. The only guy to get drafted in all four sports, uh, or excuse me, three major sports. Um, Dave Winfield spent time with me. 
he gave sent me a limo on an off day and 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 had wanted to, to have the limo take me around New York City and and if I just would go to a luncheon for one of his fundraisers. No problem, Winnie. Yeah, and hey kid, I want you to fly on the airplane with me. And you went, really? You mean like next to you on the seat? Yeah. And so he spent time with me. He saw me and I hustled. I remember getting a little little uh, chance to play, and, and I hit a little ground ball in the infield. You know, in Yankee Stadium, grass was this deep. It was really hard uh, to, to get a ball through the infield because I was a young, weak kid. So I hit a ground ball, but I hustled through the bag and did a somersault and rolled past the bag. And I come back to the dugout, and there's 56,000 in Yankee Stadium on a good night when it's sold out. Wow. Yeah, 56,000. And so um, I got cheered going back to the dugout, and I get in the dugout, and I'm going, what are they cheering for? They go, they're not used to seeing that kind of hustle. So they saw that the, the veteran players and I was always had a smile on my face and I was really, you know, happy go lucky and yes, sir, yes, sir. And that's what we did back then. It was all, we were all eyes and ears. We were no mouth at all. So I hustled and played hard and gave these guys the respect that they deserved and they liked me. They liked me because of it. Dave Winfield said, kid, one thing's guaranteed a ball player. You're going to be an ex-ball player. And I seen you play. You're going to be an ex-ball player before you know it, before you want to be. But here's what you do while you're here. And before they send you to the minors, you make sure to take the blinders off and look around you and make sure that you shake hands with people. That These people that come to Yankee Stadium here, they own corporations. They're going to give you a job someday. Okay, You make sure you, you give them a firm handshake and you're kind to those people. Don't blow anybody off. And when you go back to the minor leagues, have your media relations guy come to you whenever he needs a teach uh, who needs a player to speak at a luncheon he comes to you and you can start telling your story and start sharing with people and doing things he told me this and i loved him and i went oh my gosh this is like my daddy he's giving me great information here i'm going to do that sure enough he was right i went back to the minors had some more seasoning and you know that was uh shoot uh, that was 84 85 86 7 and 88 three more years of triple a and and uh Gosh, I finally got established at 28 and then went on to have broadcast now 20 years because the advice that he gave me about sharing and sharing my story and my life, it just worked and it fit. So whenever I see the great Dave Winfield, I hug him like a kid would hug his daddy. And I say, Winnie, thank you, man. Thank you for, for helping me in my career. I actually read Dave Winfield's book when I was in like eighth grade. You I remember did? that. Yeah, yeah, I had because much like you, my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, uh, class was recess. So <laughs> I had I had a fully loaded I had like, uh, like reading, like, the, <laughs> like, and like the whole class was it was at Leewood Middle School just sitting there and reading for an hour. And I was like, what's something I could read? And I went to the library, they had Dave Winfield's book. I remember oh, reading cool. that. Yeah, I went to he's from Minnesota, right? He didn't right. He's go a golden to, yeah, 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 and he is, yeah, he's done real well. So, Rex, I have a question for you. Anybody that's picked 18th overall in the draft is good. And with that, you're probably used to being the best on the team. You're used to being chased after and all this stuff. And now you go into 10 years in the minors, and you just rattled off a series of years where AAA – was three or four or five of them. What did you learn from that? I mean, what did, cause, cause that's, that's humbling. I would imagine it's humbling. And it, I could also think it could be easy to quit 
on some days. Like I, I've heard you talk a little bit of it of, about it on the air, but I'd like to hear you expand on how, like how you looked at your your own business of being a ball player halfway through those AAA years. Kind of, you know, like am I going to make it? Am I not? Like where does this go or whatever? Great question, Matt. I can tell you though, having a mom and dad that helped me out with my finances, that that bonus was big. It was a dual signature account. So that started that side of the business there to keep that, protect that money. And I couldn't just take any money when I wanted it. They only let me use that money when I needed to make a car payment or actually not a car payment because I uh, my dad let me pay the car off in cash. I bought a, two, a 280ZX and uh, and paid, wrote the guy cash for it at 17 years old. The dude freaked out, man, the dealer. I'll never forget it. Um, and But he, he protected just so for one payment for a car insurance a year. So it ended up, the 10 years, you know, I would make enough money during the baseball season to live during the baseball season. And then I had to get odd jobs at home. I worked for a ski company through a family friend, uh, uh, snow skiing. Uh, I tuned skis. Um, I, I sold ski equipment. I stacked lumber. I drove tractors uh, for, for, for uh, uh, outdoor uh, uh, farms. Um, I love the outdoors. So, And I was going to be in the agriculture business when if I would went to college. That was probably what I would have studied. Since I grew up in Fresno, where they grow all the fruit and nuts, uh, you know, in all the valley, the fertile valley. Um, so, um, help Matt, direct me where I was supposed to, where I was going. <laughs> well, I'm just curious about that. You know, you talk, you're you're expanding on hustling oh. in the minor league years, but it was horrible. I, so it, that, well, it started. It started by being sent back to the Florida State League for five years. I played in A ball six years. Well, you only make you only make a couple hundred bucks a week at that point, right? If that, I wish five hundred dollars a month. Oh shit! All right. Yeah, and so six years in A ball. That was like really rough. I had a few injuries, you know. But Steinbrenner would always buy his free agents, so there was always a log jam. No one ever moved. Now they kept their eye on their number one pick, and they kept their eye on me. But it was not good. Uh, I, I can tell you that that I, I had had it before I even got to AAA. I had had it up to here, especially when I was going back to the Florida State League. And pr the previous year, I hit 300, and so I'm going back there again. I went. They have the cut. They have the, your names on a piece of paper uh, in the minors. There's 400 guys in the minors, and so that's how you find out what team you're on. And when I saw my name was going back to Fort Lauderdale again again for the Yankees, I was going, what? Are you kidding? I packed my stuff and I went back to the complex and, and, and had my thoughts of, of going home. This is bull. I can't believe they're treating me like this. So, I mean, it's way guys don't do six years in A ball, let alone, I mean, six years in the minors, let alone in six years in A ball. So I got back to the complex and I'm sitting in my room. My, my roommates are all, all at the ballpark and I'm thinking to myself, you know, your mom didn't raise a quitter. You're not quitting, man. I'm going to go back to the Florida State League and I'm going to hit 400. Uh, they're going to have to make they're they're going to have to move me up. So, I went took my stuff back there and I went and I'm playing a a month or two in the Florida State League hitting 300 and George Steinbrenner owned a hotel there in the Florida State League. It was called the Bay Harbor Inn and it's right there in Tampa. And we would we would stay there when we played the St. Petersburg Cardinals and he would let us keep our meal money and, and eat on the house. You know, Steinbrenner was first class. So I asked my manager, Stump Merrill, hey, Stumpy, I'm going to write George a letter. You are? Why? I go, because I'm going to ask him for a promotion. He goes, really? He goes, Hud, are you hung that well? I mean, do you really have stones like that? I go, absolutely. What? You got any tips? He goes, yeah, make sure that it's a, make sure it's a, it's a short letter. You don't like long letters. 
thank you. So my roommate, Dick, Dickie Scott, and me proposed, wrote a letter. Dear Mr. Steinbrenner, uh, I've been, uh, pres- I'm presently hitting 300 in the Florida State League for the fifth year, and I would, would, would just hope that you would consider uh, giving me a promotion. And so Did you get one? Rex Hudler. I take the, the letter to the, to the Bay Harbor Inn at the front desk. I hand it to the lady at the front desk and say, hey, when Mr. Steinbrenner comes, would you please give this to him? And she said, he's here. I'll take it up to him right now. Oh, <laughs> My booty got tight, man. Everything got tight. I, was like, oh. I, I wasn't expecting him to be there. You know, I thought maybe sometime when he come to town in the next couple of weeks or whatever. So I go to the ballpark, and at 4 o'clock, I'm, we're playing catch. And there he is sitting with my manager, Stump, uh, Stump Merrill, George Steinbrenner, the owner of the New York Yankees, is in an A-ball game at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, hotter than heck. And he's sitting there talking. The meeting's over. I come down and ask my manager, Stumpy, did he get did he get my uh, my my letter? Stump had a big chew in. <laughs> he's chewing. He goes, yeah, kid, he got it. I said, well, what did he say? He loved it, kid. And he went, and he spit. And I said, thank you. I went inside to the locker room and relieved myself because I had diarrhea bad. My stomach was so cra- I was like, I was so nervous. What am I going to do? So, uh, uh, so <laughs> played the game, got a couple hits for him. George had always watched the game, uh, stay for the game, got a couple hits, bust back to Fort Lauderdale, six o'clock in the morning. The next morning, the phone rang. Hey, HUD, you're going to AAA. Nice. So I went the next day. I went from a ball to AAA right over there. And so I remember being on the airplane saying, self, if you don't, if you, you pop off and say something to this guy like that and you lay an egg up in AAA, you're in trouble. You better go. So I went 83, 84, 85, had really good years. And they were talking about trading Willie Randolph. And finally they traded me instead. <laughs> but well, it's good you put all this his word, man. I loved it. He, the next day he sent me, made room in AAA. I only had 24 guys in the roster. And he made room for me. That's amazing. I, well, hey, you don't get what you don't ask for in most cases. Now, before we get past the Yankees, you yeah, mentioned but I just want to talk about you, you brought the business side. That was business. I had yeah. to take care oh, of yeah. that. That's a great story. Hey, look, I, I, I'm looking for promotion. You got to give me another shot. I'm going to write a letter to myself later and ask myself <laughs> for a promotion, just so you guys know. So you mentioned that Yogi Berra was one of your managers. Now, Yogi's known for the interesting things that he says. Now, Rex, you know you are, too. There are, there are HUD-isms. I got some Yogi-isms in me, too. I got some yogi I'm wondering if that's where that started, because I once again, I did ask Joel Goldberg for his favorite HUD-ism, and he, said, he quoted by saying, every day is a day. <laughs> And oh, oh man, there's oh. a there's there's websites that seem to support Huddisms. I mean, they're out there, but I'm wondering where that started because that is something that has been a loving thing that Kansas City has appreciated about your color commentary and your personality. Um, and you know, I'm just wondering if if you think Yogi got that started, or is that just a natural part of Rex? No, and, no. and maybe what is your, are you aware of what your favorite Huddism is? Wow, Matt, way to go, Matt and Matt. You guys are, I feel bad for you having to listen <laughs> and listen. Um, here's what I can say about that. Yogi started playing baseball when he was 16 to 15, 17, whatever. He was a very young kid out of St. Louis uh, who started playing ball early. He got a high school diploma. Maybe I got a high school diploma. 
Okay, I had a 2.8 average, which was a little bit of C plus average, but that was it. Um, and then I was educated in the baseball world. So when you when you're educated in the baseball world, there's a lot of sayings and a lot of things you pick up from a lot of teammates from all over the world. So there, it was that's part of it. And some of those things stuck with me. And then and then having to, um, you know, endure the, the playing the 21 years, but then getting into the broadcast uh, in the broadcasting industry, uh, I was not hired for my verbal my verbal skills. So the things that come up, stuff that comes out, I, I try to think about it, but sometimes it, it just it just flows out. And and you know, thankfully, I'm I, I never had a, a, a I never swore a lot, or I never I never used a lot of bad language. So I don't have to do too concerned about about stuff like that coming out. But the things in baseball that happen, you know, that are happening now in the 21st century were happening in the 20th century when I was playing ball. So it's very easy to, to be able to talk about it in the same terms. And I remember, um, you know, just sitting in the dugout. I was I was a uh, shocker, but I was a, a chirper. I loved talking smack in the dugout. I loved talking to uh, my opponents and having stuff from the dugout. So I, I brought a lot of that with me. Um, I don't really have a HUDism that I can tell you that I, I like because sometimes, to tell you the truth, I get sick of myself. And, uh, and it's embarrassing because some of the things I say – I'll come home and my wife will say, did you know you said this? And I went, oh, really? Oh. So just, can you- just know that as audience and fans, we're loving it, Rex. Like every part of it. It makes me want to tune in to the game. <laughs> so I, I have a couple more. And one okay. I, I, I love, be a fountain, not a drain. Exactly. Come on, man. There's, two kind, of so people much, in, yeah. there's two kind of people in life. You either got something for somebody else, you got coming out some kind of energy in your life, or uh, some good words to say to somebody, or something positive. How about just a smile? That's what I hate about the masks. The mask I got to yeah. go. I went to Costco today, yep. and I love smiling at people and saying, "Hey, how you doing?" That's a form of of a fountain, some kind of light. You're giving somebody something, and then the other side of the world, unfortunately, is a drain. They suck you down. Okay. But we're all human, and in order to become a fountain again, you must be sucked down and recirculated through the muck <laughs> in the world, and but come back up. Okay, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So that's my that's my deal. I don't know where I came up with that a long time ago, but but you know you 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 you, you got to have some life for somebody, man. That's my. And then God put me in the perfect job. I can't believe it. Uh, the first job was the greatest job in the world. Absolutely the greatest job. And I played till I was 38 years old. I couldn't play no more. And then he gives me the second best job in the world. Talking about it. Unbelievable. And so I come to the ballpark every day the way I am right now. Excited. I'm pumped. We got a game tonight, man. Check it out. And so my partners and everybody I work with are like, wow, HUD, take it easy, man. We got, we got a three-hour game. So they... Everywhere I've gone, it's taken people time to understand where's the love coming from. It's the joy of the game. It's the happiness and the joy of life and the, and the love of the game. That, 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 that It's easy when I leave my troubles and everybody else leaves their troubles in the car out at the K and I get out of my car and we're going to a ball game. So it's easy to be happy. And that's who you get. And I've learned how to back it down a little bit uh, over the years so people can stomach it. But it, but it, but it is what it is, and by golly, they keep giving me a contract. They keep hiring me, so I'm really grateful for that. 
Okay, I've got another one, and I've checked the math on this. It's correct. It's hard to sweep a doubleheader if you don't win the first game. <laughs> now, that's a yogiism right there. Yeah. Is it? Win Is game it? one, man. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's not get too worked up on who's pitching in game two and what all is going on, man. One, one game at a time. And see, there's so many things that baseball taught me. So many things. And that's one of them. Dude. I can't now, now I Rex. I, I enjoy I enjoy the ones like this le- next one the most, and this is where you usually keep me on my toes. He wants to feel the wood in his hands. <laughs> now, and you, you you give me stuff like that a lot, Rex. <laughs> thank, and thank you. I'm happy I get to thank you on behalf of Kansas City and no. all of Royals Nation. Thank you. That's yeah. the truth. He likes the feel of his wood in his hand, man, and that's that's the bat. The bat makes that makes a living for these ball players. So that's it, that's where it came from. Now I can't control everybody's dirty minds. Look, Matt. Look, I'm not saying yours is, but look, a lot of people that that laugh are thinking sexually connotated words and stuff. But you know, like uh, I didn't realize it either. But there was a kid on the Detroit Tigers team. I can't remember him. Ten year minor leaguer. And you know, I love guys like that, man. They get a lot of love from me. There's not many of them out there. But so I went down to introduce myself to him, and uh, and I, I I introduced myself to him, and, and he's standing in the dugout, and I went over and I hugged him, and you know he he just he got stiff he stiffened up on me. So we get to the next day, and I, I he, here he comes, he's coming to the to, to the plate, and and uh, I tell Rhino Rhino I got a chance to meet him yesterday, and he goes, how really? What was that like? I go, well, you know what? I wasn't sure how it was gonna it was gonna. Uh, it was going to happen, but, but I went up and I hugged him and, and he stiffened up on me. And so Goldberg, Goldberg, of course, <laughs> he's howling, he's howling, laughing in the corner. And I'm thinking, what did I do? What did I say? You hugged him, Hud, and he stiffened up. <laughs> Rex, okay. thank you. No, I thank you. Not, there, uh, look, over the last what is six years in the booth for the Royals or more? No, it's going to be my ninth year if we oh. ever get going this year. And I got to tell you that I've enjoyed all of it. It was it was interesting. Um, Thanks, Matt. So yeah. it, it, now uh, one more. Why not? <laughs> does does football even have a Pro Bowl? <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, it does. It does, Rex. It does. Yeah, all the Pro Bowl. Yeah, but. But but they're, they're, it's like two hand touch. Yeah, maybe that's true. Dude, I'm that's like, really? Point. Come on. So I remember, I remember that came out when I was pumping. I was talking about our All Star Game. All Our Star Game means something. That's back when when you know home field advantage for the World Series, and the Royals needed it and used it, and we won because yeah. of that. So that's why I said that. I remember. So, uh, un- uh, listener uh, moment here. Uh, in 2014, I went to all 89 games that were played at the K. Went to all 81 home games and the eight postseason games that followed. So, I take a lot of the credit for that World Series run. Um, go, and then man. they did it next year. But, yeah, that was a bucket list item. Oh. Uh, some people know that about me. Some people don't. The, I would never do it again. I don't know how you get out there every day, even with the great job of talking. But yeah, it was. I really learned to appreciate. I, I oftentimes found myself saying, 
I had a heart. I'm sore from watching 10 games in a row. <laughs> I don't know how these guys get out there and do that. So, okay. Now, Rex, normally when we have three guests, we play a game called Mixtape. And for those listening, you can play mixtapethegame.com. But I want to take a little twist on this. And I think that uh, normally we pull a card, we read a scenario, and we all name a song that matches that scenario. But in this case, having you here, I think we all need to announce what our walk-up song would be. And oh. then we will vote. You cannot vote for yourself, and then we'll have a winner, hopefully. Ah. Okay, interesting. And I've, got a, really, I've got a really strange selection for mine. And I can go first, or I can, I can wait. Yeah, no, Matt, go ahead, man. It's all I'm going. I'm going with the, I'm going with the theme song to Three's Company. Oh, I don't even know that. No, 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 no. I'm a knock on my door. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> you gotta be really old to know what I'm even talking about. It's a yeah, Jack Ripper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because no one else has done that that I'm aware of. I'm trying to come up with something new. All right. Well, it seems like most walk-up songs are like gangster rap or something these days. But I'm going to go with uh, Old School Center Field by John Fogarty. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty awesome right there, man. I love it. Now, there was, uh, you know, five years in the American League and five years in the National League. I, You know, some of the places would just would play their own song for you. And I and like on the road especially. And I remember in Pittsburgh. Uh, in, in Pittsburgh, I'm stepping in the box and I hear the organist start cranking out "Doggy in the Window." <laughs> <laughs> so I stepped, I stepped out of the box. I looked, I looked up in the booth and I'm like, really? Okay. All right. <laughs> I stepped back in and, and I hit a line drive right by the pitcher's ear. Man, it was beautiful. Uh, Are you going with "Doggy in the Window"? Yeah, "Doggy in the Window" was was kind of given to me by the Pittsburgh organist. Um, I love Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Oh. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, because, you know, when I competed, I competed. Um, I didn't compete for friends on the field. I was kind of a dangerous ball player, especially the first five years in the majors. After the 10 years in the minors, I had a bad attitude towards my opponents because someone had to pay for the 10 years I just did. And that made me dangerous. Uh, and I had to, I had to calm down and, and, and uh, mellow out a little bit. I think going to Japan helped me a lot. Uh, and I played a little bit more under control and not with the intent to hurt my opponent. I think we might have to stick with doggy in the window then and not bad to the bones. Well, it's time to vote. And Rex has my vote with doggy in the window. Matt, me too. <laughs> yeah, Rex, you don't even need to vote. You don't even have to pick a favorite Matt right now. You so guys are making me feel good, man. You're the big winner. Well, this has been great. And this is, this has been, uh, this has been, uh, I, I need to have you on more often because we'll, we'll bring you in to do the heavy lifting. Oh, um, man. Hey, look, we haven't even touched some of the subjects uh, that I've been through that I'd like to share, especially the perseverance. You know, young people, whatever. I mean, it was so hard. It would have been easy to quit, like you said. Um, but I just kept, I had to be, be be true to myself, and I had to be true to, to who I was. And uh, you look down inside in your, in your heart when, when, you're, when you get backed up against the wall, and what's going to come out is what you put into your heart. And when you put, when you put into your heart love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, it's amazing when you're confronted what comes out. Uh, when you put the world in your heart and you put all the negativity that's in there that, that, that happens every day, and when you get confronted, people come back and fight. 
I wasn't I wasn't a fighter when it came to any kind of a confrontational deal. Um, I was a competitor in baseball, but I tried to put the fruits of the spirit in my heart, and therefore uh, the, the kindness comes out. So Master Watson, as we refer to him, Rex, um, what what's your take from from our our Rex experience today? Well, I think his story in the majors is uh, a similar that you hear a lot. You know, most of these guys don't go in and you know start for the Yankees their the first weekend. You know, th- there's usually years of hard work in the minors that nobody ever hears about and. It's like starting a startup, right? I mean, we we work for years trying to get our product right, figuring out how to sell it, go to market strategy, build the team, raising money. And then eventually someday, you know, we hit a grand slam and everybody celebrates. And it's like, you didn't see all the shit I did for all these other years. Where were you? Right? <laughs> it's a similar story. The overnight sensation that tried for 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, every once in a while Not you get uncommon, the money. Yeah. I mean, like here in Kansas City, you know, we have like a Bubba Starling, right? I mean, he was a local guy. He was supposed to be the big deal. Is he? Is he in the majors? Yeah. Is yeah. he playing for the team? He, he was. He was seventh pick overall, I think, or sixth. Yeah. yeah. Fifth. 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 Fifth or My sixth. Yeah, he was up there. Yeah, up there. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, wow. his. I mean, I don't know if he's getting much playing time, but I mean, he's a similar journey. I mean, we've been Kansas City's been rooting for him for years as a local, the local kid years he's at it trying to make that journey right and then maybe he'll be a big star for the Royals one day but nobody nobody realizes that journey that that everybody has to go through you know I think for me there's there's something that's really stood out here and well first off there's one thing you can control and it's your attitude and there's a zillion variables that can be thrown at you for a zillion different reasons and I'm not a big believer in luck and, you know, those of you that listen often know I say that a lot. And it, it preparation and opportunity is really what most people define luck as. And you get into these situations like, Rex, you seem like you've had a great, even though you may have been a fierce competitor, that doesn't mean you had a bad attitude. You have a good attitude about yourself, about your future, that I want to show up, I want to do work. I say all the time that success demands payment in advance. So start writing checks. And no matter who you are, what you do, it doesn't matter if you're a baseball player, if you're a startup founder, anything you do, if you want to do it well, you have to dedicate yourself to all of it. And you have to humble yourself. Like uh, you mentioned sitting behind Willie Randolph. I mean, I, I don't know. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Because if not, he came pretty close. <laughs> no, and, you, you he, know, he hasn't made it. Uh, and I don't know if he has the numbers too, but he was certainly a Hall of Fame person. Yeah, Matt, these guys, you got to humble yourself, but you get an opportunity. Two things like, a ballpark can control. Yeah. That's attitude number one. Yeah, what's the other? One is what you said is for a ball player, but number two is hustle, your output. Your attitude, you know, and then your hustle and output. If you control both of those things and you have some talent, you have a chance to go a long way. And and so I did, I tried to incorporate those only things I can control and that was that. And you're right. I was a, I was a dangerous player physically, but I had the right attitude, and I was shaped that way as a young person. So that's why I'm thankful for my upbringing and my coaching. You know, it taught me how to hustle and taught me the respect of my authority, the respect of my manager. And my managers, matter of fact, Yogi, Billy, Earl, my first three years in the majors, Terry Francona, Joe Madden. Uh, Joe, Joe Torrey, a uh, guy named Whitey Herzog, um, 
these guys are, were my daddies. And so when, when I, when I played for these guys, I looked up to them like they were my father and I would do anything for them. Okay. So right there, man, you skip, what can I do for you today? So that right there opens up the door to a lot of things. Well, we may have lost Rex into the digital abyss, but what a guest that was, uh, I gotta say anybody that's willing to write a letter to George Steinbrenner asking for a promotion is, is okay by me. What do you think, Matt? Uh, definitely take some stones as he said earlier. So yeah. 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 That was great. He was awesome. All right. Well, that was our Rex Hudler experience. So we'll see you all next time. Thanks. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.